Let's stand up and let's pray. Let's get right into the Word of God here this morning. We have a very encouraging, exciting message for us all. Father, we bow before you today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the wonderful, rich Word of God, full of life. And we thank you now as I come to teach this morning. I do not have to depend on limited human abilities, but I do depend on you. Therefore, I know without doubt you anoint my mind that I might grasp a revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you now for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each person's mind, bringing understanding, removing all confusion, and that your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling every fear. And we'll be careful to give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today, in Jesus' name, and all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Our subject is titled, Ten Reasons Why Praying in the Spirit is Important, and we're dealing with reason uh, part five in this series, part five, and reason number seven. I encourage you to take a Bible that you can write in, and a notebook. Take a notebook that you can write in, and a Bible that you can write in. All right, number seven, why praying in the Spirit is so important is it will help us become sensitive to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Please say that with me. Praying in the Spirit will help me become sensitive to the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You see, your Spirit contains the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. Remember, we learned we are spirit, soul, and body. The spirit being lives inside your physical body. When you go to heaven now, if you went and visited, you'd see folks walking around talking in the prime of their age with a soul, a mind, a will, emotions, in a body, a spiritual body. Remember Paul said, whether out of the body or in the body, I do not know, when he went to heaven for a visit. You see, whether I was out the body or in the body, I do not know, because you can't tell. You don't know if you're in your body or not, because it feels like the same thing. So this earthly body was, is now in the grave, but many are in heaven without an earthly body. Now, the Holy Spirit, when he comes into your heart, your heart, spirit, same thing, uh, he enters that spirit man, the spirit man. All right? Now, when you pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. My understanding is not participating. So when you pray in tongues, it's your spirit man interacting with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. So you are in very close, intimate relationship when you pray in tongues. You and the Holy Ghost, you can't separate the two. And so now you are becoming sensitive to Him. And then you'll find information start popping up from your heart to your mind when you least expect it or when you trust in God for direction. So this is what I'm talking about. Say that. Praying in tongues will increase my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's guidance. 
And I promise you right now, we cannot survive in this world without the Holy Spirit's guidance. You're not going to make it. Just understand that right now. Without the Holy Spirit's guidance, you have got zero chance of making it. You can't depend on the five senses to know what's going on in the future. It doesn't work that way. But the Holy Ghost will give you that information. So you've got a lot more information available to you than the person who depends on his five senses. All right. Now let's see what Jesus said about all that. Go to John 16, 13. However, when he, notice he, not it, the spirit of truth has come, he, not it, will guide you into all truth. And he, for he, will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So notice this, it says that the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority. That means the Holy Spirit will not initiate anything. He'll only repeat what Jesus says or what the Father says. So when I've spoken to the Lord audibly about 30 times in my life, maybe more, and uh, he's spoken to me audibly, shall I say. Now, he guides us continually by an inward witness. But there have been times in my life when he's guided me audibly. Now, that doesn't happen unless it's very, very important. You got it? We don't need it. We, can, we don't need that. But thank God he does it. So anyhow, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, uh, it was in the person of Jesus. Jesus was talking to me through the Holy Spirit, if that makes sense. So Jesus was saying to the Holy Spirit what to tell me, and then Jesus and the Holy Spirit spoke to me as if Jesus was speaking to me. So I was talking to the Lord for all appeared to me, I'm talking to Jesus, but I'm actually speaking to the Holy Spirit. Because he is the only member of the Godhead that's working on the earth. Now, Jesus can appear to you if he wants to, because he, he, he is omnipresent. He's not like the devil who can't be more in one place at one time. But, and he does appear to people, obviously. But, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it'll either be Jesus telling you, or the, or the Father speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is telling us here. He says, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now look at the next verse. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will speak to you on my behalf. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. He will reveal to you what I want you to know. That's what Jesus said. And verse 13 said he'll tell you things to come. So saying that, the Holy Spirit wants to guide me concerning my future. He wants me to know about the future. He'll tell me things to come. The Holy Spirit will also tell us what the Father says. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So, according to this verse, 
God cannot speak to us through our eyes, our ears, and this is referring to the unsaved. God is, uh, the eye is not seen, ear is not heard, uh, uh, and, and, and into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, this is talking about Christians, those who love him, sorry. Okay, now, say this, I cannot receive God's plan through the natural senses. God doesn't speak to us through our smell, taste, hearing, seeing, and touch. It doesn't. That's what he's saying. He hasn't heard. Eye doesn't see. Verse 10. Next verse. But God has revealed these things to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So we see then that God reveals these things to us through his spirit. Who is God? The Father. The Father reveals what he wants us to know through the Holy Spirit. So saying that, the Father speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. All right? The next verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that I have received the Holy Spirit from God. Why? Why did we receive the Holy Spirit from God? The next verse tells us, or the next line tells us, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So this, I have received... The Holy Spirit, so that I might know what the Father has freely given to us and wants me to have in the future, and wants me to know in the future. So God will not speak to you in your mind. And when you hear the audible voice of God, it's not speaking to you in your mind or through your ears, it's in your spirit. It sounds audible, if you ever have heard the audible voice of God. It sounds audible, but no one else is going to hear it. No one else is going to hear it, just you. Because it's in your spirit. You're hearing that audible voice in your heart. Aloud. Like you think it's coming into your ears. Remember Samuel the prophet, when he was a little boy? And God spoke to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he went to Eli, the old man, the prophet, and said, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. He said, I heard you say Eli. And I said, I didn't say Eli. Uh, Samuel, Samuel. I didn't say Samuel. Went back to, he said, go back to bed. So he went back to bed. Then God called him again, Samuel, Samuel. He went through to Eli and said, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. He said, well, I heard you call me. He said, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. Third time, Samuel, Samuel. He got up and he said, but you did call me, Eli. He said, no, I didn't. He said, God's speaking to you. Go back and tell me what he says. So here's the thing. If Samuel thought that was loud enough that Eli 
called him, that he could hear what Eli is saying, then if it was God speaking audibly, then Eli would have heard what God said to Samuel. So it wasn't audible. It was any spirit. Now, All right, so we read verse 12. Now go down, please, to verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural, the unsaved man, does not understand the things of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually discerned. Say this, the things of God are spiritually discerned, not mentally, spiritually. Now the word discern, I looked that up in the Greek, another word that you could use instead of discern would be investigate. So you could say the things of God are spiritually investigated, investigated. So God is telling us that if you want guidance from him, you've got to seek it spiritually. Got it? Seek it spiritually. Spiritually investigated. How do you do that? Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Because when you are praying in tongues, Romans 8, 26, 27, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you to bring about the will of God. And it says we know what the mind of the Holy Spirit is, because the Holy Spirit's interceding for us to bring about the will of God. So this, I know what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. I know what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Because he makes an intercession, prays through me, to bring about the will of God. That's Romans 8, 26, 27. Now... I like to do this. I like to confess Colossians 1 9 when I pray in tongues. I like to say this Father, I, receive, I have the knowledge, so that I have the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might fully please you in all things. Again, I have the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might fully please you in all things. So that's Colossians 1 verse 9 and a little bit of verse 10 in there as well. Okay, now scientists have not found God through natural wisdom. They have tried. They've looked through the telescopes at the distant stars and said, no, well, there's no God because I can't see him in my telescope. And they've sent out rockets to the moon. And people on these rockets, right? Did you see God up there? No. Okay, well, that proves that there's no God around, right? That's how smart they are. If we spend time praying in the Spirit, we will not miss God's guidance when it comes. And it comes. It comes. We need to make right choices. And when the opportunity is presented to us to make a choice, 
there's often no time to go and pray. Very often, opportunities come. Sometimes they come and you have to make a decision right away. And then there's no time to go pray about it. Of course, many times there is, but sometimes there aren't. And then, so you need to pray it up all the time. Spend time in the morning praying. The rest of the day, just stay in fellowship with the Lord. If we spend time praying in the Spirit, we will become sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share some stories with you to illustrate what we're talking about, what we've just read in the Bible, see how it practically works and rolls out in our lives. In 1980, uh, a great open door happened in our lives, a great open door. Pastor Viv and I were invited to a barbecue at the home of one of our friends, and Kenneth Hagen Jr. was there at the barbecue, the son of Kenneth E. Hagen. And we got to fellowship, and uh, that night he was speaking at a church. So he invited me and Pastor Viv to drive with him in his car to the service. And on the way, we were talking about the things of God, this 1980. And after a while, he said, um, he invited me to come and be a teacher full-time at Rhema in Tulsa, the Bible school. A full-time Bible teacher at Rhema, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, he spent the rest of the time explaining the benefits and the blessings of coming on staff at Rhema. as like a 40-minute drive to this church is quite a way away. And he spoke about this most of the trip, how exciting it would be, the wonderful blessings and benefits. Now, words cannot express how much I love Kenneth E. Hagen, his dad. I learned so much from him in the first few years of my life as a Christian. The first 10 years of my life as a Christian, I spent two hours every night studying his books and his tapes with my Bible. Two hours every night, just studying his books and tapes. Every night, two hours for 10 years. And so now my entire ministry, my whole life, everything I teach, it's all in harmony with what I programmed into my spirit back then. See? And then it all started in 1980, 1970. One, 1971. I got saved 1971, September. January, January 72, I was working at Zodiac Finishers, and a man came across the street from McNamese, a salesman there. He saw my picture in the paper that I got saved. I was running nightclubs at the time. And uh, he came to give me these six Kenneth E. Hagen cassette tapes. They ran off from reel to reel. The first time I've ever seen a cassette, it just started then. 
this because we used to use 8-track in those days. Remember those 8-tracks? Shows how old you are, right? Anyway, <laughs> so um, he gave me these six cassette tapes, The Name of Jesus, Confession Breeze Possession, and all those kind of t- tapes. So I took them home, I listened to them, and I, I ordered all the books and tapes, and I stayed for 10 years. And then when I got up to teach uh, in the ministry, as I said, I taught the Word of God that God gave me, but it was always in harmony with that. And so we have the same word that changed my life has changed many lives around the world. And we have great testimonies of pastors of churches and like Deline and Rob Quayle who started a school in our church in Johannesburg right in our children's ministry. And um, today, that school is a huge, huge school from grade 1 to grade 12, right? And I don't know if they've got university or not, but they've got about a dozen schools like that all over South Africa and Australia and in Europe, all over the world. And they are very wealthy people. It's a private school and very successful. And they teach my, my Bible studies to every student every day in all those schools around the world. So, God's doing a great thing. That's just one story of many different lives that the Word of God has changed. Now, when I got saved, I knew God called me in the ministry. I was going to go into a full gospel church and become a traditional full gospel pastor. And all my friends that went to that Bible school, now one of them were in the ministry today. Never, no one had a bigger church than 200 people. And I would have come out like that if I hadn't got those six tapes. You understand me? So you look at the 1,300 churches and 84 Bible schools, and we have somewhere between three to 5,000 students studying at any time, depending on the season when people are enrolling or not enrolling, and then 200,000 members around the world. If you take all that and rewind it, it all goes back into those six tapes, those six tapes of the seed. The word I got there that changed my life has changed everybody else's lives and done all that work. That word will do that in your life. What you're hearing today will change your life and cause you to be successful. It's the word of God, the seed, that brings forth the life and prosperity of God in our lives. I can't emphasize that enough. Amen. So now... So you understand what Kenneth Hagin means to me now, right? Now, I'm invited to go and be a lecturer there at his school. My brain's flipping out saying, wow, this is phenomenal. This is a dream come true. Now, at that time, we had about 200 people in our church. We just started the church in South Africa in 1980. And so my brain's telling me, you know, you've got to just hand that 200 people over to somebody else and then go to America. But as I'm listening to him talk now, in my heart I start getting uneasiness, unrest, sadness, sorrow, loss, even nausea. I mean, the Holy Spirit is telling me, no, 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 right in here. Brain is saying, phenomenal, go, don't even think about it. My heart's saying, wow, 
stop. <laughs> and so we went to the service, went home that night, and I got home and I said to Pastor Bev, I said, now, what did you sense in your heart when he was telling us that and gave us that invitation? And she said, I had a sadness in my heart, a loss, a depression in my heart. God's saying, no, don't go. Now, hear me, men. Hear me, men. If God starts doing something in your life and calls you to make a decision, that's a destiny-defining decision, your wife is going to have the same direction as you. Always check it out with her. Always do that. That's wisdom. I promise you now. And they are, women are sensitive. You'd be surprised. They're very sensitive. And all that you said, I'm your friend, Apostle Thea. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyhow, now, I want to ask you, what would have happened if we had gone and I was still a lecturer, still a lecturer at Ramah Bible School in Tulsa? Everything you see, none of it would exist. That highlight video would not be there. Thousands and thousands of salvations would not be there. This church would not be here. Can you see why God said no? Say this, not every open door is from God. Again, not every open door is from God. In 1986, Pastor Viv and I were in Hawaii with Bob and Marty Tilton. How many of you have ever heard of Bob and Marty Tilton? Okay. Now, we were very close friends, Bob and Marty and, and Pastor Viv and, and me. And uh, they pastored a very large church in Dallas, Texas. With, um, just to show you how big they were, they had 15,000 people attending that church. And... Um, Bob was on television all across America and Canada, and his programs were paid in advance, six months paid in advance. He was on literally hundreds of TV programs, uh, stations all over America, paid cash six months in advance. And that church owned land all over Texas and Dallas, prime land. And the church was itself was on about 30 acres of land, beautiful land right on the freeway. Now, in 1983, in 1983, I spoke on Bob Tilton's satellite. I did a 12-part series on the Blood Covenant in 1983. And that Bible school, satellite Bible, satellite Bible school, went into 2,000 churches across America and Canada. 2,000 churches in America and Canada signed up and paid. They had students in all those churches, and I was a teacher on that Bible school, in that Bible school, along with Norval Hayes, Charles Capps, Marilyn Hickey, Charles Neiman, and several other speakers. Don Clowers, Bob Tolkien was a speaker. And then in 1984, I taught on praying in the Spirit, what I'm teaching you right now. I taught that in 1984 to 2,000 churches across America and Canada. Now, we were in Hawaii, all expenses paid by them. 
and uh, at Waikiki Beach in a hotel. Now, these people were people of great integrity at that time, great vision. They had massive uh, uh, missionary works in, in um, Mexico, actually ran a big hospital there that they built and paid for in Mexico. They had thousands of pastors that they were relating to and taking care of and pastoring. One day, while sitting on the beach, right outside, right next to Duke's statue on the sand at Waikiki Beach, Marty Tilton offered me the position to be the pastor of those people, those 15,000 people. This is now 1986, right? And... Um, because Bob was running his television ministry and he was totally committed to that. It was a huge, demanding operation and the Bible school. So I would be pastoring the congregation and Marty was taking care of the finances. She was the administrator, our accountant of the, the whole thing. And they had a full school there too, right on the property from grade one to grade 12. And uh, so now... When she asked us this, do you, would you like to please be the pastor of those people? 1986, rewind, 1985, April 16th, we had a massive healing meeting where thousands of people got healed, but the media totally attacked us over that meeting. And it's in my book, Give me this mountain. It's in my book called Give Me This Mountain, that story, and how God delivered us from that. Our church attendance was 6,000 people on Sunday morning, 3,000 in both services, times two. We dropped in two months to 600 people attending church on Sunday morning, from 6,000 to 600, from two services to one. Now we're in Hawaii... And they offer this offering. My head is saying, what an amazing opportunity. What an amazing opportunity to work for Bob and Marty. And they would have paid me, a, they were very generous. They would have paid me a very good salary. And all I had to do is come back to South Africa, have a meeting, and tell the congregation, we're going to divide you up the full-time pastors are going to take some of you, each of you, and you, from, because they were caring for these folks in their different districts. And whoever belongs to the pastors in the districts, you'll be there, and they will pastor you and start several churches with the 600 people. But we are going to work for Bob Marty. That's what, very easy to say. Because now, after all, the church had gone from 6,000 to 600, and there's nothing out for us, the devil said, you know, it's over. You might as well go, this is a great opportunity. And I mean, the devil was telling me how wonderful it was. And it would have been wonderful, but something happened. 
Just a few short years after that, a beautiful blonde woman came around Bob because now he's working day and night. He probably neglected his Bible reading and praying time under so much pressure that this blonde woman seduced him. He divorced Marty and married her. And the media were relentless before that. Now they were like vicious rabid dogs on a bone after Bob Tilton. Destroyed the ministry. It crashed. Closed down. John Bevere, a good friend of ours, we're driving in his car through Dallas. And he says, have you seen where Bob's church was lately? I said, no. He said, come, I'll show you. He took us to the 30 acres where the church stood. He said, look, all I saw was green, beautiful grass, just shortly cut, nicely trimmed, 30 acres of land next to the freeway, nothing on it. Nothing. You never say there ever was a church on that property in history you could, there was no evidence that there ever was a church there. No evidence that there ever was a church there. Just beautiful grass, 30 acres. So now my question to you is, had we come back here in 1986, to South Africa that is, and told the church we were resigning, we're going to work for Bob Marty, where would we be today? Where would we be today? Where would you be today? We wouldn't even got saved. We wouldn't even be saved. You got saved in 83. See what I'm talking about. Say this with me. Not every open door is from God. I must listen to the Holy Ghost. If I pray in tongues, I'll become sensitive and when the challenges come, I will know what to do. In 2001, we were coming to San Antonio to start this church here. God told us to come. It's a long story too. And it's in my book on hearing God's voice, the whole story why we came and how we came. But at that time, we were about to come, David Albritton, an evangelist, a friend of mine, um, his father wanted to retire, Bert Albritton in Dallas. Anybody know Bert Albritton in Dallas? And um, so, David told me that if he would come and accept the church and pastor the church and you, you run it, it's your church, then my father could retire to West Palm Beach, Florida. He's, he's getting old now, and he wants to retire. All he wants is his salary, and he'll give you everything. 1,500 seats, 1,500 people every weekend. So um, I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll come preach 
in the church two weekends on the way to San Antonio and see what God says. He says, great. So he arranged it. The first weekend, church is packed. Second weekend, standing room only. Now, I'm praying, God, is this your will to have this church? Because my head is telling me, okay, you know, the Janusburg church is not allowed to pay for the, 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 the starting up of this church here in San Antonio. Not allowed to pay for it. You're not allowed to send money out the country. Government would allow us to do that. So we had to start this church from scratch with no money, my wife and I. We put our own money into it, personal money. So anyway, now, this would be great because then the Dallas church could fund the birth of San Antonio church and pay me a good salary at the same time. So let's go see what God says. So, the second weekend, packed, same room only. Now, I have to make a decision by Monday morning. The hotel where we were staying at, he's going to come have lunch with us, David and Bert and his wife, the two ladies. And I was supposed to give my answer now. Do I accept the church or not? And Bert is so excited. So, we leave the church Sunday morning. Marty Tilton came to visit that Sunday morning. She's in the church. Pastor have got into her car with her, and they're driving to the restaurant, and I'm following them. I don't know which restaurant we're going to. I'm on my own in the rental car, and I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God. So now I have to know. I've been there two weekends. I have to make the decision. What does God want us to do? I said, Father, must I take this church or not? It's in Dallas. It's close to San Antonio. I could pass the three churches at the same time. That's what I was thinking. And you know, I didn't hear anything. Nothing. God didn't speak to me, Brother Tom. So, in my mind, I began to visualize myself taking the church. I began to role play it. And I said out loud in the car driving, I said, Bert, shake my hand. I accept this church. I accept this responsibility. I will be the new head senior pastor of this church here in Dallas. Now, before I tell you what happened, let me explain your spirit does not know that you are role-playing that incident. Your spirit thinks it's for real. Okay? Because your heart, your spirit is like soil. It'll plant whatever, it'll grow whatever you plant. It'll grow whatever you plant. If you plant bad seed into your heart, it'll produce a bad harvest. If you plant good seed in your heart, it'll produce a good harvest. 
The good man at the good treasure of his heart brings forth the good things. The evil man at the evil treasure of his heart brings forth the evil things. Jesus said that. Right? And then the Bible tells us in James 1, 26, that the tongue can deceive the heart. Write that down, James 1, 26. It says the tongue can deceive the heart. What's that mean? That means... Your heart believes what your tongue says. Understand this. That's why the Bible said foolish jesting is not convenient. And Mark eleven twenty three said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, He'll have whatever he says. If he believes what he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So say this, if I believe in my words, I'll have what I say. So say this, it's important that I believe in my words. Otherwise, faith doesn't work. So if I don't speak, see, the thing is, if I, don't, if I just speak foolishly, I have no faith in my words. If I can't trust what I'm saying and believe in what I'm saying, my faith won't work. So it's for, my, for me to have strong faith, I've got to watch the way I speak. And I've got to know what I'm saying is correct in my heart. You got me? Because the tongue will deceive the heart. Because the heart believes the tongue. So, When I said that, my heart thought I really was accepting this deal. And immediately, I got a check in my heart, an unrest. I got, I lost all peace. Unrest, uneasiness. And uh, so I role-played it the other way. I said, okay, Bert, I can't take the church. I'm sorry. God won't let me take it. Now I'm role-playing this in the car. And I shake my hand, Bert. I can't take the church. God won't let me. When I did that, I got peace. Immediately I got peace. You see, the moment you speak, your heart will start searching out the wisdom of God to inform you whether what you're saying is true or not true, or whether you're going to be, or what your decision that you want to make is going to bring blessing or harm. So when I did that, my heart immediately started searching out from the Holy Spirit inside me. This is going to be a problem for you. It's not God's will. God told me, go to San Antonio and start the church from scratch. Well, nothing, that's fine. Trust me, I'll make it work. And he's building this church. So if I've taken that church, if we've taken that church in Dallas, I don't know what would have gone wrong, but I promise you right now, it would not have worked. I'd have been burnt out, could not have survived it, just too many irons in the fire, I would have missed God, made wrong choices. Things would have gone wrong, pulled me off the wall. I think Janice would have suffered, this church would have suffered. 
It seemed wonderful at the time, a great idea, but it wasn't God's will. So not every open door is from God. In 2000, and, no, sorry, in, 19, in, in, in 1983, I was in a restaurant with Pastor Bev and my sister and her husband, 1983. Eastgate Shopping Center, the steakery restaurant. And while we're sitting there having fellowship, suddenly... In my heart, I know that I know that I know my sister's going to divorce her husband and marry another man and told me who he's going to marry this very year. And God says, you've got to talk to her right now. She must not do it. And I, and I got such a shock. I said to her, come with me, please, right now, outside. I took her outside and I said, Ingrid, God showed me, you're going to divorce Neville, and you're going to marry Ralph. And you mustn't do that. And you're going to do it this year. God says, don't do it. She was so mad with me. So mad. What do you think I am? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? I'll never do a thing like that. Have you lost your mind? I said, well, God spoke to me. I'm just telling you right now, don't do it. Well, she didn't talk to me again. But guess what? She married Ralph, divorced her husband that year. And he tried to murder her three times. One time, he beat her up with a lamp, smashed the lamp. She was unconscious. He ran to get his gun. And she came to with him in the bedroom saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Where's my gun? You've hidden my gun. And she did hide his gun because she had a violent temper. So she managed to crawl down the stairs, and the housekeeper found her, took her to her quarters, and locked the door and told her to keep quiet, and helped her walk to there, helped her. She couldn't walk, she's dazed. And he ran around the house in the yard with shooting his gun off. The police came and arrested him. So that was one of three times he tried to kill her. Now... Would I have known that had I not prayed? No. No. But since I had spent time in prayer, I knew right away. This is what he's going to do. You are going to divorce Neville and marry Ralph this year. She didn't believe it, but it happened. Say this. If I pray in tongues, I become sensitive to God's guidance when it comes. Now, you can't always avoid a problem like that in some people's lives, right? You can lead a horse to water, you can't make a drink, right? Um, in 1984, Spirit of God spoke to him about our accountant. I was praying at home, and I got this knowing in my heart that our accountant was stealing our money back in 1984. So I told the pastors what happened. So they said, no, that could never happen. She's an honest woman. I said, okay, fine, I'll just forget it. And then a few days later, I'm praying in the Spirit again. The Holy Ghost says to me, your accountant is stealing your money. So I phoned her. I said, come over to our house, to my study where I'm praying. I'd like a word with you. She came over, sat in my, opposite my desk in the chair. 
And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, I know and you know that you're stealing the church's money. That's taking a chance, isn't it? Are you tracking me? Guess what happened? She burst out crying and repented. She brought the money back. She said, I've got all the money in the suitcase under my bed. I haven't spent one dollar. She brought it back, 98,000 rand in cash, 1984. Do you know that must be worth in dollars? At that time, it was like $120,000. 120,000 because the rand was more valuable than the dollar back in those years. And um, anyway... Today, there'd be well over a million dollars, right? Huh? Well over a million dollars today. So, in the suitcase, <laughs> brought it back, praise the Lord. Say this, praying in the Holy Ghost, God will speak to you if you pray. You see that? So, how would I ever know that with natural senses? Impossible. Say this, I have available... Wisdom and knowledge from the Holy Spirit way beyond the five senses. If I learn to pray effectively in tongues, I will begin to tap into God's knowledge, God's wisdom, and be so much wiser and more effective in this life. Is that true? That's true. That's true. Now, I could tell you stories until sunset and sunrise tomorrow, which I don't want to do right now. We're going to have to close this service. But I want to continue with this next weekend, if you're okay with that. Are you interested? I think we should count talking about the importance of prayer like this until we're all praying with power. Until we're walking in power with God. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. So, um... Now, let me ask you, how many of you do speak in tongues? Could you wave at me? All right, most of you. That's fine. If you don't, and you'd like to, like to want to know more about it, we have a class called the Christian Ghost Seminar, and there's a one-hour Bible study in that particular course on praying in tongues from the Bible, proving that it's God's gift to us today. And then anybody who wants to receive at that time can receive and speak in tongues, and they all do. Just to let you know about that. And I urge you to go and receive this free gift. Now, this morning, I want to spend just two minutes praying in tongues right now. I invite Aaron to pray on the keyboard. Sit down, close your eyes, put your head down. I invite you all to pray in tongues with me. Maybe the youth can stay up for this. Call the youth back for this. They're going out now for the youth meeting. Call them back. They need to pray with us. It's very important for the young people. All right, and while we're praying in tongues, if anybody wants to receive the Holy Ghost, pastors, come up here, please. Pastors and their wives, come up here, please. I want you to pray for this folk. Anybody wants to receive the Holy Ghost while we're praying, you can come up here and they'll pray for you and you'll receive Richard, Ginger, come on up. Dr. Pete, Pastor Nell. 
And what about fellowship group leaders and prayer group leaders? Come on up quickly. Now, if you want to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, they'll pray for you you'll receive this morning. The rest of you, heads bowed, eyes closed. Say this with me. Holy Ghost, as I yield to you now, you will pray boldly through me, bringing about God's will in my life and my family, and you will stop the bad, the attacks of the devil, and you'll only allow blessing to come into my life. And you'll push back the forces of darkness in America. They will retreat and the kingdom of Christ will advance as I pray now in the spirit. Evil will be exposed in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Praise God, praise God, praise God. All right, thank you. Thank you. I want to encourage you, family. Pray in the Spirit in your car. Pray in the Spirit in the shower. Pray in the Spirit wherever you have the opportunity. You'll be surprised how that will enhance your life and your relationship with God, okay?